1: Welcome everybody back. To the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. And as always, I got my co host, Matt, here with me. We got a great show for you guys here tonight. We are going to go through our Senior Bowl winners and losers. I'm going to make it very clear that we could not fit all of the winners uh, in just the three segments of winners that we have chosen. There are plenty of guys that showed out over the week, and we would give multiple of them praise and some honorable mentions. Uh, not to discredit anybody, these are just guys that we picked out and highlighted. But let's get right into it. Matt, I'm going to let you go ahead and start. Who was your very first winner of the week in your opinion, who was the biggest winner uh, out of the ones that you had? Cause we did go before the show and kind of make some decisions on who would get to talk about who uh, Matt had one of my losers stolen from me. So I got one of his winners. So Matt, who is your first winner and I'll get to mine after that.
0: All right. I'm going to go with Zion Johnson uh, for the senior bowl. He made the move to center. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, very flexible in how we use him. He can play all five spots along the line. Um, during the season he had about, I think it was around 99% pass blocking efficiency, which is pretty incredible. I think he gave up something like only six pressures all year long, uh, which is wild. Um, but he, I think McShay, uh, has said that he was not only the best interior lineman uh, of the week in his eyes, he was also the best player which is very impressive considering that there are guys like JJ uh, also uh, on the field. Yeah.
1: Spoiler. So, alert.
0: So if McShay saying that about Johnson is very high praise. Uh, and from what I was able to see, I agree with them. He went up against some elite interior uh, pass rushers uh, during practice, and he held up more than adic- adequately. Um, uh, in fact, I feel like I can, I would go as far as saying that he nullified some of these guys going up against Travis Jones, Perrion Winfrey. Uh, these guys are no joke. and uh, in, in fact, Travis Jones is probably one, my next winner. But uh, the, so he, he solidified himself as one of the best uh, players on the field there. Uh, I feel like the popular opinion is that uh, you would have Lindenbaum, then Uh, carry on green as uh, the top two interior lineman. But I would say Zion is probably number two in my eyes. I can definitely see him sneaking in to the second, uh, into the first round. And if not going very soon in the, in the second round, if he does make it out, Uh, he's just that kind of talent. And if JD uh, goes into the draft, needing a starter along the interior, I would love Zion. Uh, he's definitely got the the versatility, like I said, being able to play five spot, all five spots. Uh, JD has uh, shown an affinity for these types of players, so he's a he's a perfect fit. He's got the movement skills to 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 be uh, to last in our scheme, and he's got the strength to hold up against NFL talent. Uh, he's a great a great prospect. I, I love him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He had an absolutely great week. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have to go back and double check that I'm getting this correctly, but I'm pretty sure he was voted by the coaches as the best player of the week. Um, yep. And part of the reason for that was because every day after practice, even when it was pouring rain, he was the last guy out on the field practicing his snaps at center. Cause it was a new position for him. He got down to the senior bowl, had played tackle and guard at Boston college and coaches wanted to see him play at center. And so he attacked it. And committed everything he had to try and do it to the utmost of his ability. And it very clearly rubbed off on the coaches. And, you know, that's absolutely huge. Uh, And you had mentioned Kenyon Green, which a lot of the appeal with Kenyon Green is that he had versatility and played a bunch of different spots on their line uh, throughout the season and played pretty well at all of them. I don't see why Zion doesn't get that same credit. I don't see why we're not pumping him up for that same reason because now we're seeing against, like you said, Travis Jones, who's one of your winners, who is absolutely a winner, uh, just a bull in a china shop type of guy to be able to stand up on the interior and anchor, be one of the few guys at the senior bowl to really slow him down. Um, There's he's getting praise for a reason, and I think he's certainly ascended himself into the first round category. Absolutely, yeah. That's going to get me to my next winner, Uh, and you alluded to it. uh, No bigger winner at all than anybody at the senior bowl than Florida state defensive end Jermaine Johnson. And if you listen to this podcast, you would have heard it here first. Uh, this guy is a freak of nature. I cannot say enough good things about Jermaine Johnson. The number one thing that I love about him more than anything else. And I love a lot about Jermaine Johnson, but the number one thing is that there is so much, technical polish and refinement to his game for how few games that he started. And yes, he is a redshirt senior. He's bounced around went to three different schools, started at last chance. U, went to Georgia, went to FSU this past year. We've said it a hundred times, but the fact that he hasn't had that much actual playing time, and there's a difference between practicing a lot and actually getting the chance to play his playing time is significantly less than some of these other top pass rushers like Thibodeau or Hutchinson or or Karloftis or any of them, where they've started for multiple seasons for their teams. And Jermaine Johnson got one chance, one season to start, went to FSU solely for the opportunity to start for a whole season, left Georgia. They eventually became the national champions. And he goes to FSU and he goes... And wins ACC Defensive Player of the Year in his first full season as a starter. I I cannot begin to comprehend how impressive that is. On top of the fact that when you watch him on tape and when you watch him at the Senior Bowl, he has about 100,000 pass rushing moves in his toolbox that are developed. He can win with speed to the outside. He can win with speed to the inside on counter moves. He can win with spins. He can win with bulls. He can win any way he really wants to. And his trajectory is just pointing so sky high. There's a a track for guys like this. And this is not a comparison that I make lightly, but it's also not a comparison that I am making directly. It is just in the sense of ascension of talent. Where people, when they first hear about some guys, they go, Oh, there's no way he's going to go that high, or Oh, there's no way he's going to be that good. And then they go to the senior bowl and they go to the combine and they keep blowing it up and blowing it up. And more people start to realize how good these guys actually are. Jermaine Johnson gives me the exact same feelings I got from Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. When I watched Aaron Donald at Pitt, the very first time I watched him during that season in 2013, I could not fathom a better defensive prospect on the interior, because I didn't see anybody at any point in time, be able to block it. And he made one play in particular against Duke. That is still one of, if not the best defensive plays I've seen from a college prospect, defensive lineman ever where Duke is running a read option call. And Aaron Donald is playing backside at three tech and reads the play so quickly, nice into the gap so fast that the quarterback isn't even done reading the option yet. He isn't even done handing the ball off or deciding to keep it before Aaron Donald is on top of him. So instead of for Aaron Donald saying, Oh, I'm going to figure out who, who has the ball. He just tackles both of them (laughs) and, and flattens them. And it was one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. Jermaine Johnson does some of those things on tape where he can use a double swipe on a tackle against Miami and completely spin him 360 degrees with a double swipe, not a power move where you're putting all of your power into your punch, like a bull rush. And you're really trying to, to knock somebody over. Or you're attacking a shoulder and attacking half a man. He's a double swipe to try and get on the outside shoulders, swipe the guy's hands away uh, and create a lane for himself. And he's so strong. It made the guy do a pirouette. The, I, those type of things are rare. And, When you see the Ascension, as I'm talking about, just like Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, as soon as I saw him, I said, that's a top five player. No doubt about it. Superstar. He's going to be great. And some people in January of that draft process barely even had him in the first round. Some people were questioning if he could be a first round pick because he was only six one. He said he's a defensive tackle at six one. He's a tweener. He's not going to be able to work. He won't hold up in the run game. Uh, You still hear people say that about Aaron Donald, which is insane. and. Aaron Donald goes to the Senior Bowl, wins Senior Bowl MVP, is by far the best player there. No one at the Senior Bowl has a chance of blocking him. And everyone goes, oh, okay, maybe this dude's a little bit for real. Starts his ascension, goes to the combine, puts on a legendary combine performance. Now everyone's on board. They say, oh, okay, he's a first round pick. Somehow he falls out of the top 10 still, goes to the Rams, I believe 12th overall, wins Defensive Rookie of the Year, his first year in the league, and Defensive Player of the Year the year after that. Jermaine, Jermaine, Johnson's having that type of ascension. And there's a handful of players throughout time. When you look at him at Aaron Donald's, is a, a recent example of it, where once they get their opportunity and they get on the track and they've been doubted and doubted and slept on, people don't realize just how good they are. So I think Jermaine Johnson has already completed part one of this Donald bike ascension. And is Jermaine Johnson going to be anywhere near as good as Aaron Donald as a player in the NFL? No. Aaron Donald is one of the five best NFL players I've ever seen, period. That is a high praise. And I said that for a reason. But could Jermaine Johnson be a Pro Bowler as a rookie and win Defensive Rookie of the Year and be one of the better edge rushers in the NFL? Yeah, I really think so. So if oh, he absolutely. goes to the combine after he went to the Senior Bowl and did nothing but what we were expecting, if not more, where he was unblockable by anyone who wanted to touch him did so well that he said, screw the game. I'm leaving on Thursday. I've seen everyone else here has seen enough and everyone agreed. That's how good Jermaine Johnson was in just two or three practices. So he goes to the combine next in the first week of March. And I really think he's going to put on a spectacular performance at the combine and open a lot of people's eyes to how athletic he is. Cause right now he's getting praised for how technically proficient he is and he deserves it. But once everyone understands just how athletic he is as well, then I think everyone's going to see he's the total package. And Matt, that's what me and you and our friend David Wyatt Hupton uh, also was Jack's X Factor, X uh, Factor writer of the jets way. You know, we've been saying that talking about Jermaine Johnson for a a while now that he's a complete player. And we really don't know if he has any weaknesses. We really don't know what he does wrong or what he doesn't do as good or better than any of the other top edge rushers in this class. And I really think there is a strong possibility that the jets will be taking him fourth overall. And if they do, I am perfectly fine with it. I think they're going to get themselves a complete and total stud.
0: Oh, absolutely! I, I'm I'm with you there. I've I've been mocking him at four for a, a little bit now in my fun little mock drafts every week. Uh, I can, can see it, and I I always ask people like, just give me one reason why he can't go top five. Right. And what doesn't he do? What what doesn't he do? What boxes does he not check? And the most compelling one, which isn't really a great one, is that he's an older prospect. I think he'll be. Uh, almost 24 once he uh, gets on the field, uh, which, all right, I guess is, I, I, I've i said before, I don't really like older prospects too early. But at the same time, we're talking about edge rushers. And edge rushers, they have pretty decently long careers. Uh, you'll look in free agency, you'll find a handful of guys who are pushing 35, 36, that are still looking for a paycheck. And they can still be top contributors in the NFL. So I'm not really worried about that. And if he goes out and has a 10 to 13-year career being a top-tier pass rusher for the Jets, will anybody care that we drafted him at four? Because being an older prospect, I don't think anybody will care. It still puts him up for maybe three contracts with us. And he can really solidify the edge for us. So I don't really look at that as a really big knock on him. Uh, Other than that, there hasn't really been many other uh, uh, reasons to really knock him down. So if you just put all that aside, put all these, these artificial arguments against him, there really isn't anything left to really keep him from going that high. So I have no problem taking them at four. If the jets end up doing that, then great. Uh, since there's no quarterbacks really in the conversation for the top 10 right now, as of this moment, that's going to push positional value uh, into the top 10, That which means offensive line and defensive line. So these are the guys that are going to really be pushed up. And that includes guys like Johnson I definitely see it. I would love him on the Jets if we can get him. Uh, I, I, I'm i I'm all for this meteoric rise. Uh, it, it's happened before with many people, just like you said with Donald, uh, Donald. And I've seen it before with Mahomes. I've seen it before with Odell uh-huh. Beckham Jr. There's, uh-huh. there's countless examples of guys that really weren't getting a fair shake early in the process who just really explode on the scene as time goes on. And yeah, there's going to be people that are going to be against it. They're going to stick with the, with the same talking points that, uh, that, they, that don't really get updated. They're kind of the talking points from before the draft process started. So yeah, you'll, uh, you'll see the people that really start paying attention to the prospects uh, changing their mind on Johnson soon enough.
1: Yeah, it's only a matter of time. I really think it's only a matter of time um, to continue to add to my point, Matt, Aaron Donald was a month away from being 24 when he was drafted. Nope. Yep, how about that? And do you think anyone on earth cares? Nope. Not nope. a single one, <laughs> not a single one, not a single one at all. All right. I think that's enough talk on Jermaine for now. We all know we both love him and we could spend an entire episode talking about him, but let's go ahead and get to your next, uh, next winner. Who do you got? I have Travis Jones of Connecticut,
0: interior defensive lineman. Probably before the senior bowl process started, I had him maybe as a third or fourth round tweener, Uh, but he really solidified himself as maybe a second rounder, as a solid second round pick. He's got that quick twitchy ability that allows him to penetrate quickly. Um, He showed that constantly in practice and in the game. But he's also got the power at the point of attack. You can see him getting huge, huge push. Uh, I think he had one great play against uh, Dylan Parham of, of uh, Memphis, where he just walked him all the way back into the quarterback's lap. Uh, I mean, Parham is, uh, is a little light. He's probably at a, pushing around like 290. Uh, but he does play with naturally good leverage. And Travis Jones was able to out leverage him. And put him right into the, you know, the quarterback's face. Uh, and he's he's very stout when it comes to closing up his gap responsibilities. he's He's very sound on both ways against with pass rushing and against the run. And that fits our defense well. He can also play multiple positions along the line. He played uh, mostly nose tackle in the, in the senior bowl. Uh, but he can play three tech. He, he can play all along the line uh, and he's a three down guy he we don't need to take him off the field. And I feel like that's very valuable, especially uh, since we looked at last year, uh, maybe our, our best three down guy was Q and that's about it. Other than that, Rankin's is more of a niche pass rusher. uh, And I'd like him to be used more in that role. He was kind of forced to be a three down guy due to injuries. Um, So having a guy like Travis Jones could be right in our wheelhouse. Uh, he, he would fit a, a very important need, and I think the Jets and JD are going to be looking interior defense, looking at interior defenders pretty early. Uh, they they saw how bad we were against the run last year. The best way to do it is to get the right guys up front, get the guys that will that uh, will stuff the run, and also the kind of guy that won't sacrifice anything in the pass rush. He is still the very efficient in that area and has room to grow as well. So he is my second winner and uh I I think uh, people will be uh, hard pressed to find anything negative to say about him.
1: Yeah, he had an absolutely great week. Uh he he was like I said earlier just a bull in a china shop where people could not handle his power. Uh and he was just walking people back rep after rep. And you're right, the Jets really might have Uh, a need on the interior because there's no guarantee that Foley Fatakasi comes back. And if he doesn't, there goes probably your best run stuffer, even in a down year for Foley, which I don't think was that much of a down year. I think that had a lot more to do with the stuff around him than him himself. But even in a down year, he was your best run stuffer in a really bad run defense. So if he's gone, then you really need somebody to step up and fill that role. And that's where a guy like Travis Jones could certainly come in. Even if you bring Foley back, you need depth and you need guys that if you do have an injury, you don't have to make Sheldon Rankins. your your starting, you know, DT and move Quinn into nose tackle and mess up the whole rotation. So I agree. Uh, that's definitely, that's definitely a good one. He had a big week. He definitely bumped himself up a couple of rounds. Uh, I'm going to get to my next winner. And that is a guy that I had on our senior bowl uh, fantasy draft a few weeks ago. Actually, funny enough. uh, And that's Jalen Petrie, the uh, safety slash DB from Baylor. Uh, I think he is ultimately a strong safety in the mold of a Tyron Matthew or Buddha Baker uh, in the NFL where he can play man. Uh, in certain situations, he can disguise. In certain situations, you can blitz him. Uh, basically, you just ask him to do whatever whatever you want him to do, and he's going to do a good job of it. And most importantly, the thing that really stuck out to me, and I'll, honestly, everybody this past week in Mobile, was how sticky and coverage he was. He was just, as I was talking to you on Twitter, Matt, when I was writing my notes, uh, when I was first watching his tape, um, I wrote down, dude's just a gnat out there, meaning that he's just all over people and they just can't get can't get him off them. And it was more of the same down in Mobile against some of the top competitions. So that's a really good sign. Um, I love his competitiveness. I love his attentiveness. I love his versatility. I love his willingness to be so versatile. He's a hitter too. He'll come down and make tackles and lay the wood when he gets a clean angle on somebody he'll, he'll weigh a shot. You know, it's not like he's, he's not afraid out there. He's the type of guy that the jets are going to like, and they do have a big need at safety. And so in the second round at the top of the second round at either 35 or 38, I would be all over him if he were an option. And I think, you can draft Jalen Petrie and you can let Marcus May walk. And the role that Robert Sala envisioned for Marcus May as that matchup nightmare, eliminator, strong safety that can play deep, play in the box, man up on tight ends, man up on slot receivers sometimes when he has to. Uh, I think Jalen Petrie's perfect for that role. And I'm honestly not quite sure there's anybody else in this class that fits that role better if that's the role you're trying to fill in the draft.
0: I, I agree. Uh Petri's a guy that really jumped out to me uh even before the season started. I was watching him last year, uh, and he he was definitely uh piqued my interest a little bit. Uh and yeah, like you said, he's just a gnat out there, he's annoying, he's the yeah. kind of guy that offensive players are just gonna hate. Receivers
1: hate him so much
0: because he's just always gonna be around you as soon as you catch it, he's gonna be right there to lay the wood. Uh, if you're running the ball, he's going to be filling gaps. He's going to be a hellraiser out there. And like you said, he's just going to do whatever you ask him to do. Whether it's play deep, play in the box, play uh, man coverage, play zone. He could do it all. Uh, He's just the kind of guy that fits the mold of what JD wants. And yeah, a football player through and through. Football player through and through. That's very versatile. uh, that, That can fill many needs. Uh, uh where he goes in the draft is maybe a little bit of a crapshoot it could be as high as the second round i think uh i wouldn't mind taking him with our second uh second round pick at all uh i kind of hope we trade back at some point in the first just to accumulate more second round picks because there's going to be a lot of talent in the second round
1: and is a guy i really want yeah i i definitely want him too i'm a little worried quite honestly um that he won't make it to the top of the second round, and the only reason I say that is because I think the safety talent after obviously you have Kyle Joseph at the top, and you have the cluster of a handful of guys where it's like Jaquan Brisker, Petrie, uh, Lewisine from Georgia, a uh, handful of other dudes in there, uh, Daxton Hill. Um, they're all kind of in that second round range, and if you need a safety and you're a team at the back end of round one. You aren't gonna get one if you wait, so I feel like we might see some guys go a little earlier than we maybe expect just because teams want to make sure that they get their guy at safety and I'm worried that Jalen Petrie could be one of those guys that sneaks into the back end around one.
0: see, I think this the depth is a little bit better than maybe some people think uh, there's there's a lot of of guys that are just under the radar but have played very solid ball throughout the season. Uh, another senior bowl guy was Kirby Joseph, uh, who I thought was pretty decent out there uh, being able to do everything he was asked to do as well. Uh, the Cincinnati's guy, guy, Brian cook. Uh, there's, there's a number of guys, South Carolina, Jalen Foster, uh, Quinton Lake from UCLA. Uh, uh, there's many guys that can fill out the back end of this draft who I think teams can fall in love with. But Petrie is a guy that sort of stands out amongst all of them as yeah, a top-notch talent so yeah i can definitely see somebody taking him in the late sec and in, in the late first uh but my money is on second
1: round ultimately i think that's where he will go but i wouldn't be shocked if he went earlier wouldn't be shocked at all all right matt who's your last winner for the week
0: well let's see all right last guy is boy mafe edge from minnesota good one. uh he was a solid third or fourth round pick uh, i mostly saw him as a developmental guy you can definitely see his physical ability on the field and in his tape um he just really needed to refine his game a little bit at the next level so it's all the questions for him are all growth questions and when it comes to growth questions i tend to think that if he lands on a team with great defensive coaches like the jets, I think that he can overcome those growth questions and he can really take off and be a guy that that offenses really need to worry about. And at the senior bowl, he was unstoppable. <laughs> it's it's crazy what he did at the senior bowl. Uh, when you, uh, and I think he had something like eight pressures and and two sacks. And that's, those are great numbers. In just a regular game, not in a game where he only plays like twenty to thirty snaps. So the fact that he was able to do that in such a limited amount of time uh, means that he's a winner. He's a guy that's going to win his matchups, and he wins it with physicality. He wins it with speed. Uh, he's six four, two sixty four, and he's got a great get off, great first step. Uh, he uses his hands well. He's got bend. He can do it all. Uh, he's definitely the kind of guy that can develop into the kind of edge rusher that most teams could, will want. And that includes us. Uh, I can definitely see uh, JD going with maffe maybe in the second round. Uh, I, I, I think he's played, he played
1: well enough to really talk himself into that group. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, honestly, I do. It wasn't just the game for him too. He looked great in one-on-ones. He was, he was beating people's in one-on-ones a handful of times. He got, I think it was Falele, uh, uh, he got him with like a, a skip and dip to the outside and just completely and totally ghosted him. Um, he's He made himself some money down in Mobile and he definitely fits the Jets, the jets mold. He reminds me, this is just kind of how I see prospects and I don't know if this is just me being weird, so I'll try and explain <laughs> it uh, to you, but this is just how my mind works. He kind of fits the mold of the rectangle bendy pass rusher And I'll explain what I mean by that. His body, if you look at it, it looks like a rectangle. Like, it's just, like, his shoulders are, like, the perfect width of, like, his trunk and everything. It's just, like, straight up and down with him. But he's really flexible. He's not stiff. He's able to bend. He's able to turn the corner. He's able to, he uses his hands well. He can get, like, seriously low when he goes to bend the corner. So he's got some of the better bend that I've seen out of these guys. And you wouldn't think that he's 260, with how he moves. And you remember it's just because he's got all that rocked up interior muscle. And he reminds me kind of a Shane Ray a few years ago coming out of Missouri. It was that same sort of similar build where he was just a rectangle, but he bended like crazy and was stronger than you expected. And Shane Ray's career, unfortunately, flamed out. But just prospect wise, that's who he reminded me of. And I think he could be a better version of that.
0: Oh, absolutely. That that square frame helps him a lot, especially, uh, in run defense. He's able to set the edge. Uh, he he gets clear of blocks pretty well. He's a, he's a three down guy.
1: So I, I think he's got a lot of potential. Yeah. So do I, so do I, he's a guy I'd like to see work with our coaches to see what they could do with him for sure. Uh, my last winner, somebody I'm sure Jets fans are know very well, and they're not going to be surprised to hear, and that is Trey McBride, the tight end for Colorado State, uh, the supposed best tight end in the class before the Senior Bowl. Did nothing but cement uh, more, cement himself in that role during the week. He looked very fluid as a pass catcher. He was hard to cover. He was solid uh, in the run game. It's all the things that you expect out of this guy. He can be a weapon in your offense. Uh, he's not going to be have to not going to have to take him off the field uh, in the run game. He's good enough there. I wouldn't say he's the best blocker uh, in general. I think Ruckert maybe is a little bit better uh, than blocking, but he had a really good week. He looked really, really fluid. uh, And as a receiver, there's no one better, really. Um, So I'm, I'm all over Trey McBride. I would like to take him in the second round. And the only reason I'm a little hesitant is just because I think you can get a good tight end later. And Mm -hmm. that will function in the exact same way. And it's nothing against Trey McBride whatsoever. Trey McBride is a fantastic player and he's going to go high deservedly. So I just don't know if for the jets and their needs and the draft board and how everything falls out with the timing of their picks, if it makes sense for them to take a tight end that highly, if they do, I'm all for it. I think he's going to be great. I think he fits the offense. Perfect. He even scored a touchdown in the game on a booth, LaFleur boot concept basically just prepping him for what his time in New York would be like if they were to take him. So I'm, I would be all for it. I have nothing against Trey McBride as a prospect. I just don't know if it makes sense as a match for the jets in this instance. I think if you can get Ruckert in round three, that's a much better use of ammo. Yeah,
0: I agree. I mean, the, Amount of tight end talent that was at the Senior Bowl was pretty incredible. The amount of tight end talent in this draft class overall is pretty incredible. So, the Senior Bowl, we just really wanted to see some guys really stand out. Uh, Trey McBride, he played well all week during practice and had a solid game. Like you said, he had that touchdown. Uh, I don't think he did anything to really separate from everybody I think he held his ground exactly Uh, but even on his own team you had guys like Cole Turner and Jake Ferguson who I would say arguably played better or if not the same as him so like you said do we need to get Trey McBride is he a must get I don't think so because I think the talent is just so strong there we can get a Cole Turner we can get a Rucker we can get a Ferguson and we would still be perfectly okay. I can name another
1: seven guys. Uh, yeah, likely. Isaiah Likely. likely. Yeah, so, I like so, Likely. Shout out to my alma mater, Coastal Carolina. Shouts you know, up. Who also had a really good week. So it's
0: he did. There's any number of guys we can take. Trey McBride is great. He is a
1: special talent, but Ida, he's amongst other great special talents. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. It's nothing against Trey McBride. I want to make that very clear. He's a great player. He's going to be a great player in the pros. I wish nothing but the best for him. And if he's a Jet, I'm going to love it not going to be, if the Jets draft him in the second round, it's not going to get a bad grade for me. It's just not going to get as good of a grade as Jeremy Ruckert in the third round would. But that's just positional value, the depth of the class playing the board. That's a separate part of the draft than just, is this a good player and are they going to work out? And that question, Trey McBride is going to work out, no problem. Uh, Let's get to our losers. We've been through our winners here. We're only going to do two losers because quite honestly, a lot of guys had really, really good weeks. Um, And actually I'm going to backtrack. Before we get to our losers, let's do some honorable mentions. Let's fit in some guys that had some really good weeks. Uh, Like I'm saying, the reason we have so few losers is because so (laughs) many guys played well. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and list off the first one off the top of my head, and that's Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota state six foot four, 211 pounds, which you wouldn't expect him to be uh, as fluid or as crafty in his routes. And he was dicing people up all week. Yes, it is one-on-ones and it is very hard for DBs and one-on-ones because there's so much room receivers are usually meant to win those battles. But when you're smoking people over and over, over and over and over, regardless of who's going up against you, it becomes a trend. And when it goes on throughout the entirety of the week, and then you go into the red zone period and you're making diving catches in the corner of the end zone of the red zone period. And everywhere you looked, there was highlights of this guy. He had an absolutely great week. He's definitely moved himself up in the receiver rankings. Um, I saw someone compare him. I think it was Connor Rogers compared him to Tim Patrick. And I think that's perfect. Like that's just, I think that fits him really, really well. It really is yeah he he definitely
0: impressed and i think the the jet squad only had 3 wide receivers because of everybody either pulling out or being injured so the fa- he had a a chance to really step up uh and get a, a lot of extra looks on the field and he did not disappoint that that diving catch that he made was was pretty spectacular and that, even before that off the line he's just putting his uh, his defender in the dirt to to get that separation uh, so he was very impressive. Uh, my guy, uh, my honorable mention is Cole Strange, uh, a guy that's not strange to to this podcast. Uh, we've talked to him, we've talked about him before. Uh, he's another guy like Zion who has played guard, uh, but for the Senior Bowl, he was asked to play center, and like Zion, he stepped right in and didn't look strange for the position. He uh, he fit right in. He didn't see a lot of drop off and he's a smaller school guy so a small school guys really need to show that they belong in these all-star games and he did he during practice and in the game he held his own uh and i think if the uh, jd's going to be looking for a developmental guy that can maybe sit a year or two uh then strange is probably our guy
1: yeah yeah i'm i completely agree it's there's different goals for the type of player you are when you go down to the senior bowl. If you're one of those guys, that's been a high recruit your whole life. You were a five-star coming out of high school. You went to Alabama or, or Georgia or Clemson or somewhere like that. And you go down to the senior bowl, you've played against top competition your whole career. Uh, and that's nothing new to you. So now the challenge for you is you are the best. You've gone against the, some of the best. Now all of the best are here at the same time. You got to go against these guys. Go be the best of the best. Go prove that you deserved all that rankings. When you're a small school guy and you're a guy like Cole Strange and you're coming from University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, uh, the alma mater of one Terrell Owens, funny enough. um, When you're a guy like that, you got to show up and you got to really prove that you belong with all of these big name competitions. So it's not dominating is great, of course, but at the very least, you just don't want to look out of place. You want to look like you are. Just as good as anybody else of the guys that are standing next to you that went to Michigan or went to Wisconsin or went to Alabama or anything like that. And Cole Strange did nothing but that. He absolutely held his own. He had a couple of reps against Travis Jones where he was able to get under him and anchor. Jones got him a couple of times, but Jones got everybody. Uh, so that's not anything too too much to write home about. And yeah, switching over to center, doing what he could in that situation, he he did what he could. And I was certainly certainly on board. Um, I've been on board before, and I'm going to continue to be on board with Cole Strange. We all know that. Uh, my next next and last honorable mention here is going to be Perry and Winfrey who actually won MVP of the game in the senior bowl. Uh, This dude was on my, uh, pre-draft, uh, fantasy draft again, going back to the well of guys that I like there. Um, and same situation. I saw a guy at Oklahoma that was playing a little out of position that they had him more at a nose tackle, um, run stuffer. And I thought he was decently explosive. I thought he could generate some power. His arms are long as heck and he can disengage really well. And it can also help him as a pass rusher. And we saw that when he racked up two sacks in the game, uh, in the senior bowl game this past weekend. So Perry and Winfrey, I think, is an ascending player. I like him as an interchangeable interior piece that can do a handful of different things. Uh, I think he fits the Jets mold of all gas, no brakes, and a guy that is going to give it his all uh, on every play. And I'd be interesting to see where his stock takes him. He might rise enough right now. I would think he's probably about a third-round pick I don't know if the jets would take an interior guy at that range, or if maybe he goes to the combine and performs really well and sneaks into the back end of the second, it'll be interesting to see. But I, again, however it ends up happening, if he ends up in New York next season, I would not be upset with it. I would not
0: be upset with that either. Uh, My next guy is a guy we mentioned already Jake Ferguson tight end from uh, Wisconsin. He is far from the consensus. Number one tight end uh, by far, but at the same time, he just keeps on producing He's solid in in both aspects of of run blocking, pass blocking, and as a receiver. So he's got it all. He's got all the tools he he produced in practice, and he produced in the game as well. Uh, He probably outperformed all the other tight ends uh, in a stack group of McBride and Turner and Kohler. Uh, he is uh, rising to the top and I feel like he's going to rise up drive boards. And I think uh, a team like the jets and Lafleur would love a tight end of his uh, pedigree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the complete guy. He's the guy that does everything really, really well. Maybe not some guys might do things better than him specifically, but none of them do everything as good as him. And, and that's, And he was a really like he showed up as a natural pass catcher, too, which I think was really important for him this week was to prove that he can still be a receiver and prove that he can still be an option, because at least for for tight ends in particular, there's a couple of different positions like this. But you never want to be a tell for your offense. And so if you're a tight end and you're a blocking tight end and you absolutely can't catch at all or be any amount of function of a weapon in the receiving game at whatsoever, whenever you're in the game, the defense is going to have a key that it's a run. And if you're a tight end like Mike Gusecki, for instance, and you're in line on this particular play, well, you're going to have a pretty good indication for the defense that that's play action because Mike Gusecki is not going to be blocking in line. Mm -hmm. So when you are a tight end, you really need to be a two-way player because it can give away a tip to the offense of what's going to happen. It's no different than with running backs, where if you're a running back, You need to be a function in the passing game, because if you're not a function in the passing game, then the defense is going to know if it's a pass play, you're either staying in the block or you're a check down and they don't have to worry about protecting against you on any given down. If you're a receiving threat, then they have to, the defense has to cover you and plan for you in the pass coverage, which is then in turn going to open up running lanes. So it all plays together for tight ends in particular, Ferguson is that type of guy where Defenses aren't going to know whether it's a run or pass. And that's really, really important for the Jets offense where the whole boot concept wide zone, it's all about making plays look the same up until the moment that they aren't. And so if you can have a guy that can come in and legitimately block in your run game and make your run game a threat, the very next play, he's still in the game. Defenses are going to think, oh, the run is coming. And if he can leak out and you can still throw to him and he can be effective, that's huge for your offense. So he's definitely a guy the Jets will be interested. I'm sure about that. He fits their mold perfectly.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been talking about, the players with versatility, all, all episode. Uh, we were talking about Petrie. we were talking about Jones, we were talking uh, about Zion. Uh, all these guys have the ability to play multiple positions and be effective in multiple ways. Uh, we're going to keep preaching these guys as far, as long as we're able to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As we've said on this show last year when we first started with the draft and we got a handful of things right with what we were we were aiming for, the Jets have a very clear an obvious type and, and look for what they want in players. They're not shy about what they're looking for. And that's very Baltimore, like where Joe Douglas got his schooling from is everyone knows what the Baltimore Ravens like. It's not like they're trying to keep any secrets, but they're going to get their guys and they're going to get the right guys for their system. And they're going to develop them and they're going to be good players. And they're just going to keep reloading and retooling. And and that's what Joe Douglas wants to build. So we're gonna keep finding these guys, as Matt said, that we know fit the build because they're gonna be the guys the Jets are gonna target. And it's not gonna be hard to 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 predict what the Jets are gonna do, maybe the specifics of exactly how it happens, but we know what they want to do and we know how they want to do it. Uh, let's get to the losers. There are, unfortunately, cannot be, everybody can be a winner. We do have a couple losers here. We only have two each because it really was a good week overall. Um, and I really think that we wanted to highlight more of the positives and the negatives, but we do got some negatives to talk about here. Matt, who is your first of two losers? Uh, I'm going to go with the group here. I'm going to say it's the tackles of
0: the American team, the the Lions squad. Uh, first, these guys got worked all week by the likes of uh, Johnson and Enigbari. And, uh, and then in the game, they got worked by the likes of Mafe and Maji Sanders and Jesse Lacuda. Um, the, I would, If I had to, like, narrow it down, I would say Braxton Jones and Max Mitchell. These are two guys that I saw as late-round flyers that really had a chance here to, to make up some ground and be talked about maybe in the third or fourth round instead of the fifth or sixth round. Uh, but then they got worked pretty bad uh and i think late round flyers probably exactly where they'll stay uh, tackles alone i think gave up 12 of the 19 pressures uh in in this game so that's that's where the the problem area was for them on, along that line uh a guy that i really liked going into this was uh darian kinarn uh who played some uh, some tackle but I think his best position is probably being kicked inside now as as a right guard at the next level. Uh, I think he had some real troubles with, uh, with speed up the arc. Uh, I, I think he'd probably be better in a phone booth uh, not having to work in, t- in space too often. Uh, so yeah, uh, these are the guys I really think needed to show something and they disappointed a little bit.
1: Yeah, we had talked about it in our group chat a little bit ago where I had mentioned that we were kind of coming to the conclusion that there was a top three tackles in this draft. And that is Evan Neal, Ekan McQuanu, and Charles Cross, and that there's then a significant drop off after those guys. And I think we saw some of that as well. Um, I want to highlight one of the guys the Jets had on their roster, which was Trevor Penning, not in a bad way because he did have a good week overall. But he is still a guy that I have a little bit of questions with Mm -hmm. where I'm just I'm just a little worried overall about the balance. I think he's stronger in his upper body than his lower body. But the one thing with him that I want to say is that I don't think anything with him is a deficiency and that isn't coachable. So I think he can be a guy that can get significantly better and will be better in the pros. I know it sounds like he's going to be working with Duke Maniweather. That's huge for him. So if he can go down work with Duke, I think he can get better uh, and continue to ascend. But as what you were talking about, none of the tackles on the national squad really, really or the American squad really had a good week. And the pass rushers in general for both teams were just having their way with mostly everybody. And so when you have a, a week when the defensive line really shows up, it it speaks to the quality of the offensive line. They got to be down on the other end. Uh, My first loser, unfortunately is a guy that wasn't even there. Uh, And so I don't want to be too down on him because I don't know the specific reason. And so if there is a specific reason, then I will subtract this, but I still think the point stands. Um, My first loser is Jahan Dotson, And that is because he didn't attend. Uh, like I said, we don't know why still. Uh, he was on the roster initially and then subsequently pulled out. Uh, and I really think that this could have been an opportunity for him to separate himself among some of the other class of receivers that he was going to be with in Mobile. Because I think Dotson fits in this weird middle ground between top end receiver and like second round receiver, where you have the top end guys, you have Garrett Wilson, you have Traylon Burks. uh, you, some people will say Drake London, um, guys like that. And then you have Jahan Dotson, maybe Chris Alave, even though I like Chris Alave a lot and always have. And then you get to the second round, and it's guys like Romeo Dubs, like I like a lot, um, and that range. So Dotson's in this weird kind of middle. And I really think that if he were able to have been at the Senior Bowl And go into the one-on-ones and and compete. I really think everyone would have seen how good he is and it would have been real because the question with him, and I'm not saying this is fair or otherwise, I'm just saying this is the question with him from what I've seen from people uh, on online, it's not necessarily my question with him, but it's what I've seen. Is a lot of people were worried that he was schemed open at Penn State. So if you can be a guy that goes down to the Senior Bowl and you're winning all your one on ones, then no one's going to be saying you were schemed open because you're out here getting open by yourself. I just think this was a big missed opportunity, and I don't think, I I don't think that it hurt him in the sense that he didn't do anything to be be wrong. But we saw a guy like Christian uh, Christian Watson at at a North Dakota State go down to the senior bowl and have a big week. And now I feel like, are they going to be in similar ranges in that maybe late first round talk, maybe early second. I don't know where Jahan Dotson is going to go. And I really think a week at senior bowl would have done him a lot of good. It's I think he knew that by being on the roster initially, I'm curious to find out why he pulled out. And if there's, I don't want to say a good reason because that's not what I mean. If there is a reason that is justifiable Outside of not wanting to risk injury and I get not wanting to risk injury train for the combine understand that completely. But if there's some other reason, like it was a family issue or something like that, not going to hold it against him. But I really do think if he just got a little nervous and maybe didn't want to risk something, I think this really would have been a good good opportunity for him to go out, compete, show his skills and really separate himself. And I was disappointed to see him not there.
0: Yeah, Dotson was was probably going to be one of my losers. Uh, you mentioned that he he's the one that you you stole from me, but uh, I he's I, I I was going to say him as well, and then I started thinking, why would he drop out when he has this opportunity to really separate himself and really push himself into the first round talk? And I think maybe the biggest reason is probably the quarterback play there. He probably saw this as an opportunity to hurt his stock. If he goes into this, uh, this atmosphere with lesser talent at quarterback uh, and he might not be able to really show exactly what he wants to show. Uh, So I could see him doing that, but is that a good reason is that I don't think that is a good reason because that we, I want to see guys that step up to adversity and still follow through. So if If he's scared of that, if that's the reason, I'm not going to speculate that that is the reason. But if that's the reason, i I am
1: not in favor of it. If that is the reason, that's a red flag for me. yeah, and, and I'll tell you why that's a red flag for me. If again, be very clear, if we don't know this is pure speculation, and I'm my gut would lean towards he was just avoiding injury, in which case I completely understand. But If that is the reason, that is a gigantic red flag. Because one, you don't know who's throwing to you at the combine either. So are you going to opt out of all the receiving drills at the combine because you're worried about looking bad from a different quarterback throwing to you? Two, you're winning one-on-ones as a receiver. A lot of people will be able to see if you won regardless of how the ball was thrown. If you beat your guy off the line and you're running a square dig and you give him a head fake and you're open by three yards and the quarterback throws it at your feet, no one at the senior bowl that's been scouting for as long as they have is going to sit there and go, that's on Jahan Dotson for not catching the ball. They're going to go, Dotson cooked his man and the quarterbacks are bad. So I I don't, I don't like that at all. And the last point, and this is the biggest point for me, you don't know who's catching, who's throwing you the ball when you get drafted. Mm -hmm, So are you going to be scared? of, of whatever quarterback you go to. And you're going to say, Oh, I don't want to, I'm sure as a receiver, you're hoping to go play for, for a good quarterback, but are you going to sit there and shy away from, from a team because they don't have a quarterback that you like? That's, I, I don't like that at all. That that really rose me the wrong way as a receiver is a number one receiver, like a guy, like we saw Christian Watson do go out, regardless of who's throwing to you and get open and make your name obvious to where if the quarterback is any worth his salt, he should be able to get you the ball anyway. I really don't like that. And I'm going to stop talking about that because I don't think that is the issue. And I don't want people to think. I think that is the issue. I really, really hope not. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm sorry. But if that, if that is the case, that's like the jets won't draft him at all. Like, like they would take him off the board. If that is the case, I'm not saying every team would, but the jets would. And and yeah. All right. Let's, let's get to your, your, (laughs) your, your next loser here before we get too far uh, in the weeds. Yes. Uh, so my next guy is a guy that did show up.
0: Uh, it's Charlie Kohler tight end from, uh, from Iowa. Oh my God. Is Iowa state? I believe it's Iowa state. Uh, so I, I like Kohler coming into this. Uh, he is a guy that I think is solid all around and, uh, he, he does everything that you really need to do. He's a huge guy. Uh, he's, almost he's like six foot eight. I want to say, uh, he is a monster and he's usually in, in game tape. He's pretty good, uh, at blocking. He's pretty good at receiving, but at the same time, there's questions. Can he maintain blocks for long periods of time? Can he get separation? And in this group of tight ends, we really needed to see somebody either separate or hold their own. And Kohler didn't really do anything to separate, and he barely held his own. So I think a lot of people had him maybe in second-round talks. I think he maybe gets pushed down a little bit now, maybe to the third or fourth round. Uh, And guys like likely uh, uh, Rucker, Otten, Ferguson, Turner, uh, maybe get pushed up a little bit. We've seen many big guys come out of college and yeah, sure. They're big, but are they anything more than just uh, big red zone targets? I think a lot of teams are going to be looking for guys that can help between uh, the, 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 the tens. Uh the guy that can really help you get down the field and into the red zone and then also contribute in the red zone. Uh, so is Kohler that guy? I don't know. At this point, uh, I was hoping to see more, but I didn't see it.
1: Yeah. If you're a guy that big, you got to dominate the seams. You gotta, you gotta win. You gotta own the middle of the field. You gotta always be open when you're that tall. When you're that big, you should be able to be the guy that can catch a high pass over the middle, bring it in take a hit and be that consistent catch passer uh, pass catcher for whatever quarterback is thrown to you. And we've only, like you said, he's what has been more of a red zone threat. And if you're going to be like a, that big, then be a devastating blocker and he's a good blocker, but not great. So you're, you're really hoping that it's, he can start putting things together, but some other guys overtook him. Uh, No doubt about that. He definitely had some other guys overtake him. This tight end class is loaded. Like we were talking about earlier. There's a lot of good tight ends. And if you want to be towards the top, you got to beat out some really talented guys. Uh, My last loser, or should I say losers here uh, is every quarterback, except Malik Willis. Um, There was really no one that stood out outside of Malik Willis. Uh, and I don't want to turn this into the Malik Willis winner show because I think he played well, but I don't know if he played as well enough to sit there and say he was a winner over guys like Jermaine Johnson, Petrie, et cetera. Um, really quick though. Apparently he hit 75.7 miles an hour on the radar gun at the senior bowl. which is wild. breaking, breaking Josh Allen's senior bowl record of 66 miles an hour. Uh, when he was coming out, I cannot even begin to just des- to describe to people how ridiculous 75.7 miles an hour would have been if, in fact, that is true. And I don't, the senior bowl are using their measurements. I'm sure they used multiple radar guns. I'm sure they're not releasing that information without their, you know, accuracy. And of course, their numbers are always going to be a little bit higher than whatever it is. At the combine, the combine over since 2008, the fastest of the combine was Josh Allen, was 62. So Malik Willis throwing 75.7 would be like someone beating the 40 record at the combine by damn near a full second. Like it's, it's, it's wild. Like it's not even it's to the point where I'm, I'm really skeptical that it's real, but I trust the senior bowl. I trust their process. I trust the information that they're doing. It's not that I'm, I'm thinking that they're, they're lying about this, but that's, that's an unheard of number in terms of velocity on his ball, on his passes. That is absolutely ridiculously unheard of. And if you watch Malik Willis's tape, uh, which I went back to as soon as I saw that number being like, there's no way. And it doesn't look like anywhere close to that on tape. So I don't know. And even in drills, uh, you know, again, Malik Willis is a strong arm. I'm not saying he doesn't. He absolutely is a candidate. No doubt about it. But we're talking about like Malik Willis would have the strongest arm in the history of the NFL (laughs) by a significant margin. Like we're talking like Malik Willis would quite literally have a superhuman level arm. I, I don't, I got to see more. That's that blew me away today. Anyway, the rest of the quarterbacks didn't do anything to inspire. They didn't really do anything to stand out. And for the senior bowl, for the quarterbacks in particular, it's harder to form chemistry with the receivers. You know, that's obviously you're going to be more comfortable. With guys at your own school, you're going to look better at your pro day, all of that. But for what I look for at the senior bowl is I look for guys to stand out physically. I look for guys to stand out when it's cold, it's windy, it's usually some elements. You want to be the guys that ball is jumping out of their hands. You want to be the guys that look physically imposing, their mechanics are clean, and no one really did anything to to wow me or wow anybody, uh, really. Outside of Malik Willis a handful of times, Malik Willis did have a really great play in the game, and apparently he's throwing quite literal nukes, so that that would wow anybody. But none of the rest of the quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, uh, Carson Strong, any of them really did anything to separate themselves. And I was really disappointed in Desmond Ritter to be completely honest. He was the guy that I really thought as this process went on would, would grow and rise. Cause I really felt like he was the most complete package where he's a really good athlete. He's got a good arm. He's really cerebral. He's experienced. He's played in a lot of games. He's played against tough competition. He's comfortable in the pocket. he can make plays when plays break down. You know, I really, I really liked him overall as as the complete package of a player and he really did not, do anything to inspire this week. It really kind of let me down. So none of outside of Malik Willis and his apparent howitzer, uh, none of the quarterbacks really did anything to inspire me.
0: Yeah. It's, it's disappointing from a jets point of view, because it really is. I, 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 we really want some quarterbacks to really separate themselves and to step up and maybe have like a Wentzian rise, uh, but it was not to be. And maybe we suffer because of that and we don't get our trade down options. Uh, And that that's, it's it's not great because I, 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 a lot of my mock draft scenarios have trade down uh, scenarios where somebody trades up for a quarterback, but you know what? Maybe all we need is one. So if it's Will's, then maybe that's, uh, that's all we need. If, if he's the guy that separates then there's going to be a lot of teams trying to get him, uh, and I, I liked what I what I saw from him, not just as as cannon, uh, but also the fact that he was able to maneuver around pressure very well. Uh, the Jets squad was was getting pressure constantly uh, against uh, this offensive line, and he was able to maneuver very well and did and all he almost uh, that that one play where at the end of the the quarter half. Uh, where he uh, w- alone with his legs almost uh-huh. almost scored from forty yards out,
1: yeah. it was it was and, a it, and it was probably like eighty five yards of total running.
0: Yeah, it it, it it was a very long developing run. Uh, it, so he's got that it factor, and if and teams are looking at the quarterbacks that are really making a difference, it's quarterbacks like Burrow, it's quarterbacks like Mahomes, it's quarterbacks like Allen who can make plays outside of the outside of the the scheme outside of what's called for. And so people might fall in love with that, but other than him, yep, nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the longer it goes on, it just gets simpler and simpler for me, where the number one thing about playing quarterback in the NFL is how do you handle pressure? Just, just how do you handle pressure? Either you can be burrow and you can evade it and you can see sense, you know, rushers before they get there and have really good pocket presence and step up. You can be Mahomes and you can out throw it and, and, you know, back up as far as you want and still be able to get the ball where it needs to go. Uh, You can be a guy like Lamar Jackson and just run away from it. You can be a guy like Josh Allen and extend plays and break sacks within the pocket and get outside and still have the ability to throw and, and make defenses cover the whole field at any time. Those are the guys that are taking over the NFL. And it's the fact that you can't pressure them. And when you do, they kill you. Malik Willis could be that type of guy where even at Liberty, even on his tape, he's really solid in the pocket. He's good at breaking sacks. I want to see him be a little more aware and evade people outright instead of just kind of waiting for them to get closer and then breaking away. But it's not terrible and it's something that he's not afraid of. It's something that he can definitely improve on. And all the physical talent in the world is there. Uh, There was one thing I think Jim Nagy himself, the director of the senior bowl tweeted this on like day two, where he was saying the story of the senior bowl from the day. And it was a picture of Mike Tomlin and (laughs) Willie Willis. So that again, makes me think trade up to 10th overall. We've been saying fourth, maybe it is going to be 10th. And I've been saying for a long time that it happens every year that some team is going to fall in love with some quarterback and they're going to make a trade for him. And whether it's smart or not, whether it ends up being a good decision or not, Jets fans, we trade it up for Sam Darnold. But what's we'll remember this. It happens teams will go and try and make a move to get their quarterback. And sometimes it doesn't work because they're desperate in a quarterback class. That may not be as good. Teams are going to want to get the one guy that can stand out. So if that is Malik Willis, and if you are wanting to get ahead ahead of say the new Washington commanders at 11th overall, then you got to call the jets at 10. You might have to call earlier because you're worried about the Panthers. Maybe the Panthers take a quarterback. Maybe the Falcons take the successor to Matt Ryan. You don't know as another team. And so eventually someone is going to get driven up and some team is going to make a move, even if it's a stupid move, because they need to go and get their guy. Because quarterback is the most most important position in sports, and you are not going to succeed in this league without one. So it's only a matter of time for me, quite honestly. It's going to happen. I really think it will. I really think it will. I really think it is only a matter of time. Uh, All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. This has been a lot of fun. The Senior Bowl was awesome. Uh, A lot of guys that we were really high on had really great weeks, which is always good to see. Uh, A lot of guys that we weren't quite expecting had some good weeks, gave us some new guys to go back and hit the tape on. We got draft process is really starting to get rolling. First week of March will be the combine. We have the Super Bowl this Sunday. Unfortunately, it is the last game of the season. I'm very disappointed that we will not have any new football until uh, the fall months uh, after this Sunday. But we will have a ton of draft breakdowns to get to. We will have free agency and we will have a lot of stuff to cover in between then next week. We are going to do something really interesting. We had already done our dream off seasons a couple of weeks ago this week, uh, this coming week, we're going to do the exact opposite and we are going to do our nightmare off seasons, worst case scenario for what could happen for the jets in the 2022 off season and such a big off season, worst case scenario is a lot of ways to go. So stay tuned for that. Don't get too upset at us. We are laying out the worst possible scenario. So that when something happens is a lot better we can look back and say hey it could have been worse uh, until then thank you guys so much for listening i am andrew you can find me at andrew golden underscore 17 matt let's go ahead and wrap this up I'm matt you can find me at zazzy jets And follow our former co-host, Vitor, at Vitor M. We wish him the best. We wish him well. We always love him and everything that he does. Vitor is the heart and soul of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast, and I'm going to continue to be a simp for him as long as my days continue. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.